Greetings, and welcome to the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast series. Podcast episodes are available on VHHA.com and on popular podcast hosting apps, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and many others. We're a member of the Public Health Podcast Network, the Virginia Audio Collective, and the Family Podcast Network. Episodes also air each Saturday at noon and Sundays at 10 a.m. on 100.5 FM, 92.7 FM, and 820 AM across Central Virginia, and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. on 93.9 FM in Richmond. Please send any questions, comments, feedback, or guest suggestions to pcfpodcast at vhha.com. Again, that's pcfpodcast at vhha.com. I'm Will Seldom with VHHA, and today we're pleased to be joined by our guest, Tamika Irving, a community benefit manager at Centera Martha Jefferson Hospital. We will cover the work they do to encourage healthy living and much more. But first, Tamika, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate you being here. I want to dive right in here. So Centera Martha Jefferson Hospital has announced a diverse range of new programming aimed at promoting healthy living and well-being for people in your community and the surrounding communities as well. All this was inspired by and aligned with the recent Map to Health report and the Community Needs Assessment, both of which sort of help hospitals identify needs in the community and then help them begin the process of serving those needs. So in addition to that definition, if you want to add any more color to that, that'd be great. But also, I wonder if you could provide some detail on just that whole process for us, the discovery process, and what are the things that you'll identify through those assessments? Yeah, so the 2022 Map to Health, you know, we took a deeper dive into these priorities that were identified. It's done every three years collectively with Martha Jefferson Hospital, UVA Health, and the Blue Ridge Health District. And what it does is it provides quantitative and qualitative data for communities that we serve, and it works with over 100 members of the community. So the members identify needs and barriers that they face day-to-day in their environment that they live in. And then we take that information and we'll go into our community benefits and it drives the work that we do. What we found in that report was healthy eating and active living was a priority, mental health, including substance use concerns, health equity and access to care, as well as healthy and connected communities for all ages. Okay, very nice. That sounds like a cool process. And so as you're going through this process and the discovery, you figure out what needs need to be met in the community. In your role as a community benefit manager, what were your responsibilities through that process, and how did you ensure that the programming you all have introduced will meet those needs? Yeah, so looking at the report, taking a deeper dive into those priorities, addressing health equity through research policies and practices focused on built environment and healthcare systems, we did have a specific focus on like transportation, digital access, and literacy, as well as healthcare access. So when we kind of saw what the priorities were, we looked at how could we support our community. And then we really just asked the community with the health equity listening tour and saying, you know, we heard what these priorities are, but what does that mean for your community? And when we did that, that's when we kind of discovered healthy eating and active living. So what we did was get programs together to be able to bring no-cost farm stands. And they started and originated in Louisa. But then as we started to, you know, broaden our scope with the Blue Ridge Health District, we realized we need to kind of take these into other rural areas because most of our district covers a lot of the rural areas. And we know that there's limit to access of health care, access to food, just a lot of the resources are limited. So with our no-cost farm stands, we were able to have an impact of taking care of over 1,700 families, providing those households with healthy fruits and vegetables and healthy food. So you talk about this active listening tour, and I want to linger on that for a second, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Forgive me for my lack of knowledge here, but I wonder if you could talk us through that process a little bit. And one of the reasons I ask about that is because just from based on what you said, I sort of gather that this is you all going out into the community and asking people what their needs are. And I think that's so important for providers and hospitals and systems to actually 
to do that active outreach themselves as opposed to just waiting for people to come into them and tell them what their problem is, but rather going out and being active in that. So I wonder if you could talk more specifically about that process and maybe how important you think it is to do that outreach more actively. Absolutely. So that process involves the hospital president, the hospital foundation, executive director, a few other leaders, and also my team. We actually went out into our whole catchment area, which is the Blue Ridge Health District. So we scheduled about six listening tours throughout the whole community back in January. And we really went into these communities. We invited community members, also community leaders. And we really just sat down round table and just really allowed the community to talk about what they felt were barriers in their communities and what they saw as struggles and different things that people needed for resources. And we've met with a range of like EMS, police, fairly qualified health organizations, nonprofit organizations. We really just met with a wide range of day-to-day people that the community will interact with. And that's where we kind of collected a lot of the data. And a lot of people really expressed the need of healthy eating, healthy living. And we kind of just gathered all of that data. And now we're doing the work for that. We're starting to actually deploy programs out and work with some of those strong partners in those communities to make sure those programs remain sustainable. That's cool. Well, it sounds like a really collaborative effort, which is always fun, I'm sure. You touched on the active living and healthy eating, and you mentioned the farm stands a little bit. I wonder if you could talk more specifically about some of the other programming y'all do. I saw in a press release at least photos of, like you mentioned, the farm stand, but also like cooking classes, and um, it looked like somebody was doing jumping jacks there for a second in one of the photos. So I wonder if you could talk about specifically some of the programming and what that looks like on a day-to-day basis, you know, folks coming into the hospital or, you know, out in some community meeting space. What does that look like? Yeah, we're definitely trying to get it outside the walls of the hospital where we're going out into the community. One of the barriers is transportation. You know, one of the benefits with all of the programs that we do is everything's completely free. So, you know, our hopes is that it'll set the foundation for a lifelong time of success with just promoting health and wellness. So we do our our fitness classes. We have one in Charlottesville that's at 1538 Rio Road East. That takes place on Wednesday from 530 to 630 called Extreme Hip Hop with Avis Fields. We also have classes in Louisa at Now Fitness, which is 150 Jefferson Highway, Suite 15. Those classes take place at 6 p.m. to 7 on Tuesday, and then also Wednesday from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. And then Saturday, there's also a 9 a.m. to a 10 a.m. boot camp style fitness class with Trey Kwan. And all of these welcome all levels of fitness. It's just something that's free to the community. It's something to get people out to get active. You can bring a friend. There's no registration. If you have to cancel, there's no process that you have to do for cancellation. But that's our fitness class. And then we also have the cooking classes where we've done with Chef Antoine. And those take place right there in Culinary Contact. And that's located in Charlottesville right off of Barracks Road. And those are done on Tuesdays. I don't have the specific dates, but they can be found at mjhfoundation.org slash healthy living. And it's a tab for cooking classes that will share all of those details. And what that is, is a really fun interactive cooking session where you get to learn about different spices, different herbs, and then just different multicultures with cooking healthy. That's super cool. That's really comprehensive and covers a lot of different interests and outlets for people. That's super cool. So how long have these, I mean, I know you went through the discovery process with the Map to Health and the Community Needs Assessment, stuff like that. How long have these classes been actually going on? Has there been time for you guys to see the impact of the classes and hear feedback from folks? They have. So the farm stands have been going on for a while, and we saw the impact where we were like, okay, it was 1,500, and now we're going to expand it over to 1,700. So we plan to keep growing and looking at that. For the cooking classes, we get the feedback from people that say, you know, I attended that cooking class. I really enjoyed 
finding out that I can use X, Y, and Z spices to cook and I don't have to use salt or, you know, different things like that. We also do air chronic disease classes, which we've really seen the most impact with. Those are five-week classes where we've finished up in Greene County and then we're finishing up in Louisa. But the impact from those classes have been tremendous with people just saying, hey, you know, when you came out here and talked about this heart health and cancer, diabetes, you know, all of that, I really took away from it. I followed the meal plan and I've lost 20 pounds. So we did have several success stories from our chronic disease classes. That's so awesome. I think hearing you talk about that and how it, you know, there's no registration and if you have to cancel, it's no big deal. Offering things to the community with sort of this no strings attached idea, I think is just so cool. Like you said, it's just no barriers to entry and it's non-intimidating and it just helps bring people together. And I think, you know, hospitals are such anchors in their communities. I think they can be at their best. And so to offer programs like that where people can feel like, you know, I can go to this. I don't have to. There's no pressure. Like you said, it just breaks down so many barriers. I think that's really cool. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Sort of to switch gears and finish off here a little bit, it's tradition on our show to close things out to ask our guests a few more fun personal questions. So if you'll indulge us here, we've got a list of 10 mystery questions. And so if you give me two numbers from 1 to 10, I'll read you those two corresponding questions to close us out. All right. Let's go with number six. All righty. Number six first. In the hypothetical scenario that you had one-time access to a time machine with limits, you can either travel 100 years into the past or 100 years into the future. Which direction do you choose and why do you choose it? Good question. I would probably say the past. If I could travel back into the past with the knowledge that I have, that would be the thing. If I could take the knowledge back, I would travel back into the past and really just try to, to be more purposeful, more intentional with just some of the things that I've done early on just to see if it makes a full difference because we know like doing things, it's, it's not a quick fix. It takes at least 21 days repetitive. So I would probably travel back in the time being more purposeful and more intentional to be more beneficial to the community. Love that. Okay. And what's the last number you want to choose? Let's go with number nine. Number nine. Okay. This is a big question here. Uh, a variety of ways you can take it. If you were miraculously granted one wish, what would you wish for? Wow, this is really good. I was granted one wish. I would probably wish for peace and love for everyone. I feel like just now in our community, a lot of challenges, mental health, uh, COVID really kind of tore down a lot of things where there's a lot of people that's struggling. There's a lot of fixes that, you know, takes more than anything anybody could do to fix now. So I would probably pray or, you know, wish for peace and love just to kind of give people that serenity. I like it. I absolutely like it. That yeah. would be helpful for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think it'll kind of help more, make more of a better world for us all. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, those are two great answers. And with that, we have come to the close of another episode of the Virginia Hospital and Healthcare Association's Patients Come First podcast. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. We want to once again thank our guest, Tamika Irving, who is a community benefit manager at Sentara Martha Jefferson Hospital for joining us today. So Tamika, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.